How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Elbows Up podcast. In episode 22, we're going to be doing our uh, NHL draft preview. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup finals as well, just briefly, uh, as as that also kind of unfolded uh, a couple weeks ago. But a uh, majority of this episode is going to be about the draft and about uh, a bunch of prospects. So we're going to make our own picks from uh, pick one until uh, pick 10 uh, of the draft and just kind of talk about the prospect, talk about how they're going to fit in with the team that we uh, project them going with too. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into that, I'm your host, Brett Potter. I'm here with my co-host, Keen Kilback. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to be back. We're uh, probably going to be moving to one every two weeks, right? Moving forward just over the summer because there won't be as much news and we're both really busy. So yeah, after after this, probably expect one episode every two weeks. But I'm I'm super excited for this draft episode. I'm, I already watched a lot of these prospects and kind of make my own opinions of them just with, with clips and stuff. And I, I read what I can just because I like doing that. And so this is going to be a really fun episode. But yeah, like you said, first we'll get into the the Stanley Cup. Yeah, for sure. And like, we, we love to cover the world juniors and stuff like that. So the draft is like right off our alley. But uh, before we get into that, we got to talk about the cup final. Uh, Vegas had just won uh, in game five to clinch it. Uh, 9-3 victory. Um, it wasn't really a great game, to be honest. If you're if you're like a, a real hockey fan, I, I don't think that you probably enjoyed the series, the Stanley Cup final as much as other years in the past. Um, but Stone had a hat trick in Game Five, and then uh, Marshall with Con Smythe. I, I think those are two very notable players that we needed to point out. And uh, both, all in all, just really good series for both of them. Uh, I had Marshall with the Con Smythe going into that game, but at the end of it, I, I kind of thought it could have went either way between him and uh, him and Stone. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Marshall got it, just as he was kind of one of the golden misfits or whatever. But um, yeah, like all in all, I Vegas. Uh, really good season from them, uh, obviously, and uh, Aiden Hill just kind of stood on his head when he needs to be. So, uh, I think that, I think that's kind of the storyline from this series. Hey, yeah, it, it was a really underwhelming Stanley Cup final, to, to be quite honest. Like, I was expecting a lot more. I was hoping for like a six or seven game series. I, I'm not necessarily mad that Vegas won. Like, I mean, I'm not a fan of them. I, I don't hate or love them, but it, it just wasn't a very good final. But that being said, Vegas definitely deserved the win. Uh, it was five games. The The fifth game was, what, nine to three, if I remember yep. right. And it was like seven to one at some point, I think, going into the third. It was so ugly, it, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't even fun to watch. Like, like you're sitting there, nobody's interested in the game that the team's going to win the Stanley Cup. Not that you can, like, blame Vegas or whatever, but, yeah, it just wasn't a fun game to watch. And Florida just, like, looked beat to me, like – the whole team, especially Bobrovsky, just looked absolutely drained. Like, just nothing left in them. You know, like, by the end of that game five, like, there were countless, probably like a hundred, <laughs> not a hundred, but there, there were countless high danger chances in that third period for Florida or for uh, Vegas, where you would think that Florida would be pressing, right? Like, their, their season's on the line. If you don't win this game, your season's literally over. You, you lose the chance to win the cup. And there, there just was no pushback at all, really. Like, they weren't really generating any offense, and they were giving up countless chances on their own net. And Bobrovsky was just left out to dry the whole game, and they didn't even pull him. The yeah. poor guy. It's like, so, like, yeah, the, the game, I guess, for that series, Florida was kind of going to go as far as Bobrovsky could still take them. And, unfortunately, he just didn't have enough left in him. But he, I think... You know, a lot of people were saying, like, he, he played so terrible, but I don't really blame him. Like, he was left out to dry in that last game. 
And he wasn't as good, obviously, in the finals as the series beforehand, but I still think you can't blame him for anything. Like he he played his heart out the whole playoffs, and I think the team, the rest of the team, really let him down. No, I, I agree, and those are a lot of good points. And I, I think if you're Bobrovsky, like you didn't even start Game One of this Stanley Cup playoffs, right? So just to get your team, uh, pretty much put them on your back and get them right to the Stanley Cup final, I, I think that's a huge comp- accomplishment for him. And uh, I think probably the main reason why this series maybe was a little bit disappointing was because of the injuries for Florida. Uh, like Matthew Kachuk missed game five. He had a broken sternum, which is just like <laughs> ridiculous. And uh, like Ekblad had an injury. I forget exactly what it was. And, but um, He had uh, like three crazy injuries. Yeah, were they – I forget. Were they in his hand or – I forget where they were. He had – Palmeris, he said he broke his foot in the Boston series, which is the first round. Jeez, so yeah. he played the whole playoffs with a broken foot. And then he said he popped his shoulder twice. I'm assuming it was the same shoulder that he dislocated twice and they just put it back into place. And there's something else. Like I think he had a torn oblique or something like, like just ridiculous. Like like, injuries that would put you out for a couple of weeks and he played through them. And uh, Maurice also said there was a lot of other guys who were injured that he didn't mention. Like, uh, so you never really know how many of their guys were actually playing at full health. You know, like I'm sure Bennett or Reinhardt, also had a couple injuries because those guys were logging a lot of minutes too. But um, yeah, I, all in all, uh, kind of just to sum up this series, I, I was a little bit disappointed, but um, you know, it, it was only a matter of time of before Vegas won it. You know, they, they went to the like final two of the last six years, conference finals four of the last six years. So, you know, they were just right there. And I think this is another example of Stanley cup winning teams need to, you know, have a lot of experience before, you know, they get over that hurdle that can finally win the cup. Like we've seen uh, a lot of teams in the past be right there and then they get it done where uh, a lot of young and up and coming teams are going to have to, you know, go through those struggles first too. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to bring up was like, did you remember seeing Mark Stone's expression when he scored the hat trick goal? I think it was the, it was the empty net goal. And I, I just thought to myself, I think that's one of the best parts, I guess, about hockey or one of the best parts about the playoffs is just seeing how much this means to them. You know what I mean? Seeing how much winning the cup means to all the players. Like it was crazy. Like how excited he was. He was like crying and stuff after he scored the hat trick. So it was awesome to see that. But on the topic of Mark Stone, we have to bring up how Vegas was over the cap again. And I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not saying like that's an excuse or anything or like it, they cheated or whatever, because those are the rules and they're allowed. But I just think, like this has happened in, I think it happened twice with Tampa, or, or maybe it was just one year that they were with the cap, and then again with Vegas this year. Yeah. So it's happened like two times in the last three years or something. The three, two, two of the last three champions were like well over the cap, where, where they got arguably their best player to return, <laughs> coincidentally or maybe not, right before the playoffs. Like, you know, you can't tell me that those guys couldn't have played the last you know, maybe five games of the season. Like, I'm sure that they would have been ready if their team wasn't comfortably in the playoffs. Like, if they needed to play, they could have. 100%. But, but they didn't because they, they didn't have the salary cap. But then once playoffs come, salary cap is out the window. And I think that that's just one of the dumbest rules in sports, in my opinion. Like, I think salary, the salary cap is what makes hockey so different than other sports. We've touched on this before, but I, I think it's what – makes it better in terms of parity and, and like competition, just how it's, it's a lot easier for the weaker teams to get better quicker 
And there's just like the best team versus the worst team is a lot closer in hockey than any other league yeah. because of the salary cap. Because, you know, you, you don't have teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers, you know, spending all the money in the world, getting the best free agent every year. You know, you like, so I, I really like salary cap and I hope it always stays. I just don't understand why you would get rid of it in the playoffs. And, and it's, it was only a matter of time until a team started to take advantage of that, like they have. And now, you know, it's happened two of the last three years. It's probably going to keep happening. Like, I think Boston did it as well this year with Taylor Hall. He came back just in time. You know, they didn't win the cup, but like still like, so like, I don't know they've got to do something about this. I think that they need to quite simply, it's pretty easy to just, you know, make the salary cap still a rule in the playoffs. Like that, that's what they have to do in my opinion. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, it is extremely frustrating as a hockey fan to like see these teams and these champions over the salary cap by eight to 10 million. But I, I think if any of us were in their position, like I know I would do the exact same thing if I was given that opportunity, right? And maybe yeah. maybe that's kind of screwed up, but it's like at the end of the day, you gotta do uh, what like what's best for your team to win Stanley Cup, right? And with these rules, that's the best thing to do. Unfortunately, it's, it's kind of cheat the system, which is which is really screwed up. But don't hate I, the I player, think, hate the game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, I think it's only a matter of time before this rule changes. I'm hoping in the next two to three years, uh, we can you know like kind of change that rule, but. Like it, it kind of just seems like, um, like it's kind of like a cheat code almost on on how to how to win a cup and like yeah like it's just so fishy where Kudrov and uh, Stone like their first game back from major injuries like where they out two to three maybe even like four months are the first game of playoffs like you you know that's just it's too yeah. good to be true right so um, I I hope they can get that rule out uh, out here soon but um, yeah who knows with Batman. But anyways, I think we're going to start to get into our draft preview. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start from the first overall pick, and uh, we're going to each go back and forth uh, all the way down to number 10. So uh, I think with the number one pick, uh, it's a bit of a toss-up here. So uh, let's hear who you got for number one. <laughs> Obviously, Bedard, as as you will as well, and everybody else in the world. There's, there's not much to really say about this guy. I didn't, I didn't even write down notes for him. <laughs> I had a few notes on a bunch of the other guys towards the bottom of the list that people might not know about, but everybody knows Bedard. I know enough in my head about him that I don't need to write notes about him, right? Like, yeah. you know, he's the obvious first overall pick. You know, a team would have to be crazy not to take him. He's going to be, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the world for sure. I, I think he's like almost like a mix of Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid with, with like his shot and his skating, like, I mean, he's not as good of a skater as McDavid, but I'd say he's probably a bit better than Matthews skating-wise. Yeah. And then he's got a shot just like Matthews. So his potential is to be maybe the best one in the league behind McDavid, to be honest, in, in, in like, as soon as a few years from now. Yeah, I, I agree. And he's a generational-type goal scorer, and he's already got, like, a strength and a release that's, like, world-class. And I, I wouldn't say that he's as good of a skater as McDavid. I don't think he ever will be. But I, I would agree that uh, his playmaking and his shot um, are definitely a combination of uh, McDavid and Matthews, respectively. Um, I think going into the World Juniors, uh, I kind of just saw him more as a, as a shooter and almost more of like Ovechkin, where he, he might just you know like kind of do it himself and just uh, create for himself. But 
in the rural juniors, you saw his, his playmaking. And that was, that was unbelievable. Like, and uh, his backdoor like tap ins to Gunther on the power play just opened up more shots for him and which made him an even more dangerous scorer. So I, I think that is going to translate to the NHL very, very like effortlessly. And, um, you know, he's, he's a bit of a smaller player. He was listed at five, nine at the combine, but I, I think his strength, his speed and agility and the, his overall competitiveness is not going to um, like weather him at all in the NHL. Like, you know, it, it's kind of uh, a smaller league now than it was 10, 15 years ago. So that is definitely in his favor, but for the traits that I, I just listed that he has, I, I don't see him like, you know, getting pushed around like maybe some other guys, uh, like that are other smaller guys in the league. So yeah, I, I, I think you'd be crazy t- to think about taking anyone other than Bedard. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say if he's going to be as good as McDavid, um, or or better. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just it's crazy to see that maybe in the future in, in the Olympics we're going to get to see a Bedard McDavid line. Yeah, you mentioned his size. He, he, I think he was listed at five nine point seven five or something. So I mean, basically rounded up to five five ten, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't worry about his size too much because if you've seen him at the draft combine, he's, he's yoked. <laughs> he's absolutely yoked already yeah. at seventeen, more than any other prospect there. Probably because he works harder than all of them, which is just another reason that he is going to reach his potential, in my opinion, because of you know how how hard he works and. You know he's already so strong. He and he he's like 180 already, and only at five nine and and 17. So he he's he's gonna put on even more weight, even more muscle, and probably reach like 200 pounds over the next couple of years. And and I wouldn't worry about his size too much. That's that's pretty much cl- close to what Crosby is right now. So I, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, and I think another thing that is kind of important to mention when if you're looking at it from a scouts or a GM's perspective is that you know I, I don't want to jinx anything. I'm knock on wood. He doesn't have a, a injury, you know, history. Like he he's been relatively healthy throughout his whole career, and like uh, not like McDavid, where like McDavid broke his hand in junior, and I, I think he had other like injuries as well. So, yeah, Bedard has he, he's been relatively healthy his his whole career, and uh, some notable awards for him this year were CHL Player of the Year, CHL Top Draft Prospect, CHL Top Scorer, uh, World Junior Championship uh, Tournament MVP. And he was the inaugural IIHF Men's Player of the Year award uh, for all of Hockey Canada. So just padding the stats to his resume, <laughs> to his resume, and uh, I'm sure that uh, this list is going to continue to grow throughout his NHL career. Um, but as far as player comparisons, uh, yeah, I, I like the McDavid comparison as well. But I think uh, just for his strengths, I, I think they correlate the most with Austin Matthews. Um, I was actually really close to going with Ovechkin for this one, but I, I think just how he releases the puck is is so much similar to Matthews, where Ovechkin's more of like a one T guy. So just for his um, his uh, release and oh, honestly, his overall two way game is more similar to Matthews as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I had Matthews written down if I had to choose one, but like I said, I think he's kind of a mix between Matthews and McDavid. All right, so now going into the second overall pick, uh, it belongs to Anaheim Ducks. And I think this is another obvious pick. Um, I got Adam Fantilli, uh, center out of Michigan. Uh, he's an elite skater. I, I think he's the best skater in this draft. Um, extremely high hockey IQ, a really good goal scorer. And he's not really a defensive liability either. So, uh, you know, he didn't really have a great performance in the World Juniors. And I know a lot of Canadians 
uh, including myself, were expecting more from him. But if you look at his stats with Michigan, you can't deny that this guy is a really like world-class type player. And uh, the, he is no consolation prize by any means in, in these sweep, in these sweepstakes. And uh, he's a Hobie Baker award winner as a freshman and only two guys before him have done that. And uh, he joined Jack Eichel and Paul Korea to do that. So uh, just crazy, crazy season from here from him. Uh, he also performed well at the uh, at international tournaments. We said World Juniors, he was uh, a gold medalist there, kind of had a smaller role, but he played really well in the World Championships uh, just in the spring, and uh, he, he won a gold medal there too. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I super high on Adam Fantilli. I, I got him as a player comparison of Jonathan Taves. I, I think he can be like a prime Taves where uh, he can, you know, like score 30 or so a year and like, uh, but he can also, you know, play the two-way game and set up his teammates. And he kind of does everything, like, really well at a, at a high all-star level, I'd say. Yeah. At my number two, I also have Adam Fantilli. I think it's another lock. In in most years, I would say 90% of years, he'd be the first overall pick. Like, he won the Hovery Baker as a freshman. You know, he, he – I have a note. He had 1.8 points per game, which is – the second best of all time for a draft year forward in the NCAA and the best since like 1978. So the guy who did it played way back then when scoring was a lot higher. So it's crazy. He, he His numbers are really comparable to Jack Eichel's in, in their rookie years in the, in the NCAA or their freshman years in the NCAA. So I, I honestly think that Fantilli has like a really good chance at becoming a superstar. Yeah, for sure. I, I This guy's got superstar potential and uh who do you got for his uh, player comparison i have rope hints I, I i thought about this one for a while i, I think it's really good that's disrespectful that's disrespectful how hold on hold on, hold on. L- listen listen they're both really fast if you watch hints play he can fly so they're both extremely good skaters they're both big i think they're both right around six foot three and, and they're solid defensive players as well and, and they they, they, they're probably going to both score 40 goals and be over a point a game type player. So I, I think that's a good par- comparison. I, I think that's disrespectful to Fantilli. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be a lot better than that. Um, hence is maybe borderline all-star, all-star, I would say. Um, but he's, not, he's nowhere near a superstar like Jonathan Taves was. He's pretty close. Hence? I, I wouldn't say it's a superstar. Dude, he, he, he was like tied for the – playoff lead in points this year and he only played three rounds yeah so you're judging him off three like off three rounds you got you he's gotta a, have a he's a point size. per game you're over the last three size. years you're all he's, about sample size i just told you he's a point per game over the last three years but but he's, he's getting carried by robo but anyways, yeah, I, 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 that's a different story <laughs> uh going into number three uh who do you got okay going into my number three i have Another obvious one, in my opinion. Well, may- maybe not. I mean, three and four are really close for me. I have Matvey Michkov from Russia, number three. He's probably one of the best natural goal scorers to come in through the draft in the last couple of years, maybe besides Bedard, <laughs> probably since Matthews. So, so, like, to be in the company with those guys, Matthews, Bedard, and Michkov, that's pretty good. I, I think there's a really good chance he's going to become a 40 to 50 goal guy. As my comparison for him, I have Cole Caulfield. <laughs> So I think because they're both undersized players, I know Mishkov, he isn't that short. I think he's like 5'10", but he's only like 150. So he's definitely got to put on some more muscle in the, in the coming years. But ever since he was traded to Sochi in the KHL, because he was, he was with SKA 
St. Petersburg earlier, and he was just getting no ice time. It was kind of like the Brad Lambert situation when he was in Finland. Yeah, He just wasn't getting any opportunity, so his draft stock was really falling early in the year. But then he got traded to Sochi, and he got 20 points in 27 games in the KHL. Yeah, like, wow. That's the, that's the second-best league in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. He, I think he, he's probably going to get, like, 30 goals if he played a full season in the KHL, which is just crazy. So he, he's already really good, and, you know, his potential is that of a franchise player. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I'm also super high on Mishkov. But uh, for my number three, going to Columbus, I actually got Leo Carlson. Uh, super good skater, extremely high IQ. I think there's uh, an argument for him being the best playmaker in this draft. Uh, I have his his player comparison uh, to Henrik Sedin, actually. Uh, I, I don't think that's too bad of a comparison. But um, the reason why I, I put Carlson at three is because... Um, Columbus has been making some very questionable moves as of late, as if they want to, you know, compete right now. And Mitchkov, he's on that contract deal uh, through like 2026, 2027 in the KHL. And uh, Leo Carlson can come over uh, next year, right? So it just, if I was Columbus, I would take Mitchkov, but I believe they're going to take Carlson just because they've been making the Provorov trades. They've been making other trades where it seems like they want to, try to make the playoffs next year and I, I think Carlson gives them that their best chance of doing that so based on their history of what they've been doing this offseason I think they're going to go with Carlson but um yeah I think Mitchkov is the better player yeah all, all the points you made I, I agree with and I think that you know he probably could get drafted third overall but I, t- I took this more of as a ranking rather than a mock draft so that's why I have Mitchkov ahead of him because I think that he's just a bit better but that takes me into my fourth pick which is Leo Carlson as well. So, uh, he, you know, they're they're kind of neck and neck, but it just depends on, you know, whether you, wh- what team, what the team kind of needs, whether they'll get drafted or, and, and in my case, I took it more of as a ranking, right? So I have Mishkov over him. But getting into Carlson, like you said, I, I agree with everything. He, he's got great size. For a comparison, I actually took his countryman as well. He took Sedin, right, from Sweden. Yeah. I took Matt Sundin. I like that comparison too. Yeah, they have similar size. They're both big guys. They're both big centermen, and they're both really good at protecting the puck. I guess that's probably Carlson's best trait is his ability to hold onto the puck, his puck control. You know, he he takes it to the net, and nobody can knock the puck off him. Basically, that that's that's his best trait. And I I think you know because of his size, because of his skill, like you said, he's a good skater. He's a great playmaker. He's really good in transition. I think that again, I've said this about all the guys prior, but I think there's a great chance that he could become a star and, and a first liner. Like it's crazy. Cause this is, this is really one of the best drafts. I know that it's so early to say that, right? Like these guys yeah. they haven't even been drafted yet. Never mind yeah. played a game, but as far as like potential goes and as far as what it looks like before the draft, this is probably the best draft since what? 2015, maybe even better. Yeah. I like, would say so. Like I, I think this draft has, as high expectations as I've ever seen. Like, I, I would say that these four guys here would go first overall in the last two years. I would take them first overall over Slavkovsky and Owen Power in the last yeah. two years. I, I don't think four that's guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's crazy. There's four potential first overall picks in one draft. And there's yeah. probably like seven guys that could be stars here. Like, it's crazy. Like, superstars. So, yeah. yeah that... <laughs> 
I like your comparison of uh, Matt Sundin a lot. I, I think that's 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 probably the best one that I've heard. And uh, yeah, I kind of took this as more of a mock draft. So going forward, there might be a little bit of a difference, but we'll kind of figure that out going forward. But um, yeah, so going back to your third or your third overall ranking uh, at fourth overall pick, going to the San Jose Sharks, I got Matvey Mitchkov. Um, really like elite goal scorer, like we've said, but he's also a really good skater. Um, and I, I think he's definitely the best winger in this draft. Um, I, I think behind Bedard, he has the second highest ceiling in the draft though. I, I think he can be, you know, a really, really like uh, great goal scorer. And I think he can, you know, put up numbers similar to Ovechkin. Uh, in saying that I have my player comparison as Kirill Kaprizov, actually. Um, I think it's pretty easy kind of to make that pick just because they're going to both come over late. And I didn't, that that's kind of just a coincidence, but um, just look at like Kaprizov's numbers. He's got 40 goals each of the last three years. Um, he lays the body pretty well. He's, a, he's, I think he's a better skater than Ovechkin. And that's kind of why I was leaning more towards him. But um, yeah, I, I like the comparison of Kaprizov more because um, j- just for those reasons. And uh, yeah, like I, I think Mitchkov can be really elite goal scoring I think this makes a lot of sense for the Sharks going forward because they don't really have anything to look forward to in the next couple of years they don't really have a, like, a great prospect pool coming up so I, I think Mitchkov at the at the base at the stem of this would be awesome because in the next couple of years they can accumulate some more high overall draft picks just to you know build around them with so um, if I was a Sharks GM I'd be really happy with taking kind of a draft and stash guy at number four with I think who has the second highest ceiling in this super deep draft. Yeah. You mentioned his, the comparison with Kaprizov and how they, you know, waited a few years, stayed in Russia to come over. That's because his contract in Russia is he's under contract until 2027. So he yeah. couldn't come into the league for like four more years from now. And I, and I know that that's been a huge topic of conversation for, you know, scouts or, or whatever, just pe- people to, saying like his draft stock will fall because of you know his contract but i don't really think it should like caprizov is a perfect example of why it's worth the wait Mm -hmm. right like and and the wait won't even be as long for for mitchkov and and realistically a guy like mitchkov i don't think he's i I know that he you know played pretty well in the khl but i don't think he's nhl ready yet so so i like I, i don't think he would play in the nhl next year anyway even if he could and maybe not even the year after, right? Like, I think that you've seen it a lot more lately with how Maddie Beneers stayed an extra year and Owen Power and Logan Cooley now is staying two extra years after being drafted. Teams are taking more time with the prospects, I think. They're being more patient with them, which I think is really good. I think I think it's worth it. So I wouldn't worry about that situation too much and how, you know, he's under contract for a few years. I, I don't think that should drop, uh, drop lower his stock. Yeah, I like all those points about the recent prospects that you talked about too. And I think one thing that we need to point out too is just the difference in direction that these franchises are, are going. Uh, for example, when Kaprizov got drafted, he was a fifth round pick, like 135th overall or something like that. So like they, they got him a lot later and they didn't really expect him to be this good. And they didn't build a team around Kaprizov there that could you know support them for the future. Uh, they definitely have a, a great squad with him and around him now, but it's it's a lot different when you're taking Mitchkov and hopefully the Sharks take Mitchkov is that even, even in these next couple of years, you're going to be able to provide Mitchkov with really good 
like uh, two-way centers, maybe a really good goalie, potentially some back-end defenseman that can also help him on the power play. Like you're going to be able to really build around this player, similar to almost like you see in the NBA, where like you can kind of just pick and choose uh, players to build around a superstar player. And I, I can definitely see this with Mitch Cobb. And I, I think that's why I like him going to the Sharks a lot more than uh, than other teams is because you can really build around them. And um, yeah, th- I think this would be a really smart uh, pick for the Sharks if he's still available at four. That's actually a really good point that I never really thought of. And it brings the question of would the if the Minnesota Wild knew that Kaprizov was going to be this good, would they have bought out Ryan Suter and Zach Parise? Who are, yeah, it's, who it's are now taking up like $12 million against the salary cap? Yeah. Uh, like, you know what I mean? So it, it's a great point you bring off that, you know, how they can just focus on this player and build around him, you know, assuming that they draft him, right? Obviously, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever team drafts him. But uh, moving on to my number five pick, again, this is a ranking, so I, I doubt that this player goes fifth overall. You know, he, he'll probably go in the top ten, but he, he's a really underrated player in my opinion. I have Oliver Moore. I would say he's the fastest skater in the draft. I, I watch clips on these guys, so I know more, and I, I guess, listen to other scouts and stuff, but one thing I should say to kind of explain, you know, my ranking moving forward is there's the main thing that I, because this is more so what I would do, it's kind of like who, who I would draft and, and why. So, so I guess I've mentioned this before, I think a couple episodes ago and how, like, why would you take a player that you can get in free agency, you know, or you can trade for quite easily in the first round, instead of taking a guy like Brad Lambert, right? Like we we talked about this a while ago. Yep. I, I I'm more for a high risk, high reward, I guess. And I would say that the two most important things are uh, for me in, in in ranking players, I guess, is upside and projectability. So it, it's it's a mix of you know the potential that they could reach and the chances of them reaching that, I guess. So that's why I have more so high because he's like I said, he's he's one of the best skaters. I've maybe ever seen like he's he's unbelievable you should watch close to this guy and he's really good defensively as well he, he's a great two-way forward his compare I have his comparison as Sergei Fedorov they're both really fast and Fedorov won a Selkie so they're both really good defensively as well and like I said the main reason I have more so high and above a guy like Will Smith who also played on the same team as him and had a lot more points and he's ranked higher than most people is the projectability and how I think that Moore has a much better chance of reaching his potential than a guy like Smith. That's very interesting on the points that you brought up. And uh, like this, maybe to the five through 10 pick is going to be the difference between the rankings and the mock draft, just because of, you know, team needs um, kind of uh, guys who are flying under the radar, maybe a little bit. So um, yeah, that's where I think our list is going to start to, you know, differ a little bit, but uh, one guy that you, uh, briefly mentioned, uh, I have him at number five going to the Canadians, and that's Will Smith. A uh, really good skater, excellent, excellent playmaker. I, I think a top three playmaker in this draft, only behind Bedard and Leo Carlson. Um, I think he would be a really, really good fit behind, or sorry, beside uh, Cole Caulfield, actually. Uh, they're, they, they're a little bit both undersized, but um, both guys who came from the U.S. and DTP, um, and just really like Caulfield with his elite goal scoring and Will Smith was with his elite playmaking, I, I think could really be uh, something to look forward to in, in the future. And um, 
I don't really have a great player comparison for him. Uh, maybe if you have him later on in your draft, we can talk about it more. But I kind of have him as like a poor man's Jack Hughes, I guess you could say. Like I, 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 I think he's that good of a skater, and I, I think he's uh, that good of an offensive threat. I don't think he's going to be a hundred point guy like Jack Hughes. Hopefully, is in the future, but um, I, I think he kind of has those tendencies that Hughes possesses too. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned or funny you compare him to Hughes because that's who I had him. At. That's the comparison I had originally, and then I changed it last second because I remembered a certain guy who I think is an even better comparison. But I'll, 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 get, I'll get to that when when I uh, bring him on my list. But moving into my number six. I have Zach Benson from the now Wenatchee Wild, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we won't get into that situation, but it hits home. It's clo- hits close to home for us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, from the Winnipeg guys, I guess, from this last year, Zach Benson. Again, I think, he, I, I don't know if he's really underrated. I know a, a lot of people have him in their top five, but he's he's one of the smartest players in the draft. According to data, you guys know I'm an analytics guy. Call me an analytics nerd, whatever. According to data, he's one of the best playmakers in any draft in the past like decade. There's this guy who tracks data on Twitter. His name's Mitchell Brown. He says, quote, Benson's the best non-McDavid playmaker I've ever tracked. Second all-time in expected primary assists per 60 for 60 minutes, which basically measures passes for scoring chances. So, and, and if you watch him, there's clips of him just like countless high danger passes, just no look behind the back passes. He reminds me of Peyton Krebs, actually, who played for the Kootenai Ice, but I would say he's even better. So I, I, I think that, and, and along with that, he's arguably the best defensive forward in the draft. So, I mean, one of the best defensive forwards in the draft, one of the best passers, and one of the smartest players. I, th- I think he's got he's got a potential to be a star. For sure. Who do you got for his uh, player comparison? I have Claude Giroux. Interesting. I both like playmakers, that. both good defensively. I think I think I think that's decent. Yeah, I, I like that comparison. I have a different guy coming up uh, comparing to him on my list, but yeah, for all those reasons, I, I completely agree with you. I'm pretty much going to reiterate them in a couple of picks here, and um, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that later, but for my sixth overall pick going to the Arizona Coyotes, I have Ryan Leonard, uh, another centerman out of the U.S. and TTP. Uh, really good skater, super high hockey IQ, pretty much similar to all these guys, but uh, really good goal scorer, and he's going to be uh, he's going to be doing a lot of damage on the power play. And I think he'd be a great fit alongside uh, Logan Cooley coming up in in a couple of years too. So uh, those two would be awesome together. And um, for my comparison. I have him compared to a, kind of like a JT Miller type of guy. I, I don't really see him doing a lot of, you know, um, a lot of providing a lot of value defensively or maybe like in the in the uh, lower two thirds of the ice. But I, I think in the offensive zone, uh, he's, he's going to be a, a threat, and especially on the power play. He's going to be a guy where maybe he's a, a top six forward, but he's going to be on the power play one uh, throughout his whole career. And um, yeah, like I, I I'm pretty high on this guy and I, I I like him for the Coyotes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he'd be, he'd be great next to Logan Cooley and you know, whoever Arizona drafts, I think they have like two first round picks and then maybe even three and a couple second round picks. Like, and they already have a core of Clayton Keller, who's turned into a superstar. They got Barrett Hayton who had a breakout season this year. 
Dylan Gunther. Dylan Gunther. Nick Schmaltz is really underrated. He might not yeah. stay around. He might get traded. But Michelli. and then Lo- Logan Cooley, Michelli. Like, yeah. I mean, Arizona's a dumpster fire franchise, but they're <laughs> looking pretty good for the future if they can turn things around, similar to what Buffalo is currently doing. So I, I think that I guess the future is bright in unknown locations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, going into my seventh overall pick. Uh, we're going to be selecting the first defenseman off the board. I got a uh, David Reinbacker going to the flyers, uh, super good size, extremely good skater, uh, for his size, uh, really good playmaker. And, he, and he's also a plus defender too. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, his player comparison, uh, could be like a Ryan McDonough. I, I see him as maybe not, um, the best at anything in the league, but I, I see him as a guy who's going to be really good a skater, hockey IQ, playmaking, maybe score a couple of goals here and there, um, but really good defenders, someone you could put on the power play and penalty kill. So that, that's why I picked McDonough. I don't really see him, you know, getting uh, Norris, Norris nods by any means, but, um, you know, we're getting down to the seventh overall pick, which is still great accomplishment, but maybe not someone you, you're going to see win the Vesna, but uh, turn out the Vesna, the Norris. But uh, yeah, so I got Ryan Backer at seven. Yeah, I think the McDonough comparison is actually really good. I really like that comparison. Thank you. Spoiler alert, I don't have him on my list. This is one of the main guys that I think of when I say, why would you draft you know, a, a guy that you could kind of sign in free agency every year For instead sure. of you know a guy like, say, Lane Hudson last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, no, that's fair, yeah. No, and I'm not like hating on your pick or whatever because I know that – the, the, yours is more of a mock draft, but just in terms of how, in my opinion, I don't think Reinbacker has much upside to become like a star player. I think that he is already, I would say currently he's definitely the best defenseman in the draft, but I don't think he projects to be that, if you know what I mean. Like, I think that, For I, sure. think that I think he has maybe the best chance of being a top four defenseman, but I don't think there's any chance he becomes a top pair defenseman. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a really high floor but a lower ceiling compared to a couple other guys, which is why, like like I said, I'd rather draft a high upside guy, which again, a lot of, a lot of rankings just have to do with what you think is projectable and what, how you would draft. Like, would you rather a guy, you know, to become your second pair defenseman, or would you rather take a risk and, you know, draft somebody who could become more than that or less 50, 50 kind of thing. So that that's one of the most interesting parts about the draft, but just to kind of explain what I like to do, I guess, is, or what I would do if I was in that situation is I would, I would try to draft, I guess, the best player available for the future. Yeah. And I think saying that he has a high floor and a low ceiling probably is, is a good way to put it. And I agree when, when I, I say he's probably not going to get, you know, the Norris nods that, uh, you'd like to get in a in a defenseman, but I I, I think that he's gonna you know be still a really good defenseman, I, and I think he's worthy of going seventh overall. Yeah, and, and like I said, I th- I think he's definitely the best defenseman currently. Like he played really well in the Swiss League offensively, and I think he's one of the best defensive defensemen as well. So like I think he's definitely like top fifteen or twenty in in, in a draft ranking. But I just wouldn't take him in the top ten because I would rather you know, take a guy that could potentially be better than that for sure. But moving on to my seventh pick, I have Will Smith, guy you had going fifth to Montreal. I have him at number seven, so, you know, a bit lower, but he's 
the comparison I had for him is Matt Barzal. Okay, yeah, I, I like know, that I don't too. Know if you like that a bit more, but they're both right I like shot. That too, yeah, yeah, they're both right shot centermen, and if you watch them, they're just so much fun to watch. Like Smith, he he reminds me a lot of Fabian Lasalle and Brad Lambert, guys from the last couple drafts, where they're very high risk, high reward type of players. Like they're not going to provide anything defensively, and you know they have a lot to work on, I guess, as far as not team play, but just they make a lot of mistakes trying to do too much. You know, like they want the puck on their stick. They try to go end to end and they'll turn it over, stuff like that. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things Smith has to work on. But again, like I have him number seven. He had 127 points in 60 games yeah. in the, the U, on the US NTDP team this year, which is just crazy. Like he, I, I have him as my seventh pick. Like there's, and I think there's a chance he could become a first-line center for sure. So that just shows how good this draft is and how deep it is in the top 10. I like that pick of uh, – or that comparison of uh, of Barzell too. No disrespect to him, but I, I feel like he is kind of a poor man's Jack Hughes as uh, as the term that I used to kind of describe um, Will Smith. So, yeah, I, I like that Barzell comparison a lot. That's true, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're both similar, to be honest. Barzell and Hughes are pretty much exactly the same player. But moving into my number eight, I have a guy that you probably haven't heard of as well. <laughs> and most people don't have in their top 10. I guess the people I listen to do. But <laughs> at number eight, I have Dmitry Simashev from Russia. Have you okay. heard of him? I don't, I don't think I have. Okay. That... I, I'm not really good with Russian names. I, I, yeah. I don't think I would you know, remember that name. Anyway, he, he's he's six foot four, and he's one of the best defensive defensemen I mean, he's not really defensive, but he's one of the best defensively. And he, he's he's also got some untapped offensive potential as well to become, I think, better than Reinbacker, like I said. So I, I think that his offensive potential, you know, he's not he's not nearly as good offensively as Reinbacker now, but I think he has the potential to get there. He's not really getting the same type of role, which I guess is why he's probably slept on over in Russia. I, th- I feel like you see that a lot in Europe, just where guys get buried in the lineup. You know, he played in the KHL. He's not getting any ice time, you know, so, which is why they kind of don't produce as much and they might get slept on. Similar to Lambert last year, like I said. I feel like I bring up Lambert every episode. He, he's so <laughs> he's so good for comparisons and when yeah. talking about draft prospects. But, yeah, like I said, I, th- I think he's one of the best skating defensemen, maybe the best in the draft, and he's also really good defensively, and he's six foot four. So, like I said, you know, he's not the best now, but as far as upside goes, and I think, you know, with his tools, he's really projectable. He's got a great chance at reaching that potential. So even though, like, he's not, you know, I would say as good as Ryan Becker now, I think he'll be better in the future. All right, so at my number eight pick, uh, a guy that you previously mentioned as well was uh, Zach Benson. Uh, from the Winnipeg Ice, uh, really good skater, elite goal scorer, and uh, he's also played that defensive game that you kind of compare to in in uh, Claude Giroux, which I, I think is a really good pick too. But uh, I, I think he's a bit of a better skater than Giroux, uh, so I, I don't really think about that name, but that that is a good comparison. But I got uh, Brain Point actually. I, I could be him. I could see him kind of being someone uh, with those kind of type of player. But um, yeah, like. Yeah. Super high on Benton. I, I feel like you covered him him and his playmaking a lot, so I don't really need to touch on any of that. But, yeah, I'm super high also on uh, Zach Benson. Uh, moving on to my number nine pick, I have Gavin Brindley from NCAA. 
he played on the world junior team this year for the USA, and I thought he was one of the best players despite being only 17. He, he really agree, stood yeah. out. And that's where I first heard of him, and then I kind of followed him along after that, and then he started to just only get better and better after that. Um, I, again, I'd say he's probably underrated, but the main reason for that is because he's undersized. He's only five foot nine, but I'm not worried about that at all because he's he's he reminds me of Logan Stankoven, where I think he could kind of become a guy like that, where he gets drafted in like the second round. He probably won't go in the second round, but like the late first round, and then he'll end up being a steal. I think they're similar because they're both smaller players, but I'm not worried about their size because they're both really good skaters. They both have really good balance and the low center of gravity, and they're already they can already battle in the corners, right? Like it's it's not a worry of mine that they're smaller because they they can stay on their feet and they can battle already. And Brindley's Brindley has no trouble with that playing against college guys way older than him already. So I'm not worried about size. Like I said, he's he's one of the best skaters in the draft. I would say he's probably top three along with Fantilli and Bedard, I would say, those three guys, and and Oliver Moore, those four guys. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, he, he might not become like a first-liner, but I think he's got a good chance of becoming a really good middle six forward, and he's he's got a never-ending motor. He, he Just like Stankoven, he's just go, go, go. He's like a dog-on-a-bone type of player, right? Like, he's just he's a four-checker. He, he's great defensively, and he's a great skater, and he could be go, good offensively too. So he's got very – like I – like I kind of say, he's very projectable. Yeah, I, I like that pick too. And uh, I, I first heard of him at the World Juniors as well. And he uh, he really surprised me on uh, how he played. And obviously he's playing with Cooley. And I think he was Rucker McGordy. He was on that line or something like that. So obviously he, he's playing with great players around him. But uh, yeah, he, he was really a uh, really good player for them. And one thing that surprised me with him was his grittiness too, actually. For being a smaller guy, like you said, he gets into the dirty areas of the ice. But uh, going into my number nine pick. Hold on, sorry, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention my comparison for him is Mark Stone. I thought that okay, was I like that, good because yeah. you know he's four checker and good defensively. <laughs> nice. So uh, going into my number nine pick, uh, I'm you know this is a like it's a projection, right? So a lot of guys have this have uh, this player off the board a little bit, and maybe more into like the mid mid fit like 20 ish range, but. I got uh, Samuel Honzek from the Vancouver Giants uh, going to the uh, Detroit Red Wings at nine. Uh, really good size, 6'4", uh, extremely high hockey IQ, especially for being that size. Uh, he can lay the body, and he provides really good goal scoring and playmaking um, just from what, what I've seen from him and uh, what he was graded uh, at the combine from scouts and stuff like that. So um, I, I like this pick a lot, especially I kind of tried to go into like the mind of Scotty Wide the best like, that I could. Obviously, no one is like him, but um, seeing his picks in the past, he does go off the board a little bit. So th- this is kind of you know maybe my off the board off the board pick for the range or for the Red Wings, I should say. And uh, I think one thing that uh, is important with uh, his picks is in the past we've seen that he likes to you know draft players with good size. We've seen that with uh, Mo Sider drafted fifth overall, and he like he was like off the board from nowhere. No one expected him and. I think they need that really elite uh, forward with a good size. You know, they got Raymond, they got, hopefully they can bring back, or they brought back Larkin, I should say. Uh, And those guys aren't really, you know, physical threats or have that big size that, you know, they're kind of missing. So um, I I think Hansa could provide uh, a bit of a spark in in the range or in the Red Wings lineup, I should say in the couple of years. And uh, my player comparison for him 
is uh, is and I think it's extremely important that I say a prime on this player because he is very short prime, but a, a prime Jamie Ben, I, I think is a, is a good comparison for him. I really like how you kind of went into the mind of Iserman, the Iser plan, and and you know went off the board. Once once I heard that name, I was like. I don't think he goes top 10, but then I, I remembered it's Red Wings. So it's like, you know what? You never know, right? Exactly. I, yeah, I, I Marco really like Rossi. that. Marco Rossi is another name I should say that. He was off the board a little bit too. Yeah. So in, in, in like three of the last four drafts, they've went off the board. I think Maurice Sider, who was like ranked in the mid-20s, went sixth overall. And then that, that's the one that I guess shocked everyone. And now he's, I guess, on track to become one of the best defensemen in the league in the future. And then... In 2021, they took Sebastian Kosa, who, I mean, he, you know, he, he was pr- probably a first-round pick, but the fact that they took him over Jesper Wallstead, who was still there, was a huge surprise and, I guess, kind of off the board. And so far, it's not looking so good. Kosa's playing pretty terribly in the ECHL even. So, you know, he's still young, but you never know. And then, like you said, Marco Rossi the next year. So, I'm, I'm going to say Marco Casper. I, oh. I got mixed up. Yeah, Marco Casper. That, that's... Yeah, I did the same easy, easy mix up. <laughs> yeah, they're both Austrian too. So yeah, but yeah, so yeah, like I said, three of the last four drafts it went off the board, and I'd say it's it's not looking good for Kosa. It's looking great for Cider, and then it's hard to tell with Casper yet. So you know, we'll see if that plan really works out in a few years going off the board. But yeah, I really like that pick of yours. I, I like how you're kind of going into the minds of the GMs or the teams in the position that they're in. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, that's what I was really thinking about. Just like team fit, uh, you know, kind of tendencies that the GM has shown with, especially with Columbus too. We, uh, I kind of touch on how you know Carlson is probably going to go there instead of Mitchkov just because of their aggressiveness. But uh, going into my number ten pick, I have uh, Axel Sandin Pelika, uh, the defenseman from Sweden. Uh, I think this is a good pick for St. Louis. Um, He's a really good skater, high high hockey, high hockey IQ, and he's going to be a, a, a playmaker and a future quarterback of a power play that I, I think you know you could always need. Um, my player comparison for Axel Sandy Pelika is kind of like a Tyson Berry type of guy. I, I don't think uh, he's going to be have the ceiling of Eric Carlson or, or a Kale McCarr that maybe some people say that he could, but I think he's going to be a really good offensive defenseman for years to come and. Um, probably just kind of a guy that's going to quarterback your power play, not get any time on the penalty kill, but still a very valuable asset. I actually love that comparison with Tyson Berry. Thank I think, you. yeah, I think that they're both offensive defensemen, like you said, that probably, probably aren't going to provide any value defensively at all. And they're both good skaters and they're both kind of, I guess, second pairing defensemen. I guess that's what yeah. Pelica right-handed shots. Pro- yeah, projects as like, I don't think Pelica will be a, or Sandy and Pelica will be a, top pair defenseman but i think he'll be like a good second pair offensive defenseman just like barry so i love that i love that comparison i i have him as i guess number 11 he he was he would barely miss my list so yeah i think it's a great pick and on the topic of detroit i, I was gonna say either they're either gonna go off the board or they're gonna take a swede <laughs> one of those yeah. two things yeah. so i think they're either gonna take hansik off the board or they'll take pelica yeah. one of those two I, guys i got them right around there so hopefully yeah. I, hopefully that happens yeah, but uh, moving into my number 10, my last pick, I have Ryan Leonard. You had him earlier going to Arizona. I have him 10th overall, and he tore up the U.S. NTDP. That's such a mouthful. I know, yeah. He tore, he tore up the NTDP 
51 goals, 57 or 51 goals, 94 points in 57 games. So he, he's a goal scorer. He's, he's kind of like the perfect modern power forward. He's not huge, but he, he, he plays, he plays, like I said, like the perfect modern power forward style game. Like he, he's not, he's not all about, I guess, ferocity or ferociousness, whatever, right? Like he's not all about scaring guys, but he's kind of like, he's a great skater still, you know, a lot of, Power forwards back in the day weren't great skaters. You know, he's he's a great skater. He's got a really good shot. Like I said, fifty-one goals. He's really good in open ice, and he's really strong in the puck. He's hard to knock off the puck. So I think for all that, the comparison I have for him is there's two guys I couldn't really choose between Andre Sveshnikov and Timo Meyer. Those two guys, both kind of bigger power forwards that can score goals. Yeah, I like those picks as well. I don't really know that Leonard brought that physical edge as much. So maybe. Miller wasn't a great pick for for that, but yeah, that's definitely something that every team could use, and especially the Coyotes. But in saying that, I think that's going to conclude this episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun just talking about prospects, and uh, you know, like it, it, the draft is one of the best times of the year. It, it, it's kind of weird saying that, but uh, yeah, it's especially this year with this year's draft. It, it's really awesome, and uh, it kind of gives us the opportunity to talk about prospects that we haven't talked about since the World Juniors and. And we know that's one of our favorite things to talk about. So, uh, yeah, this episode was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's funny. We kind of accidentally <laughs> miscommunicated not knowing what exactly to do. But I think it's it's going to be fun to see if you get your picks right or how close you are in, in like a week here at the draft. And then it'll be interesting to see if if a few years down the road, if, if I look like a genius or if I look dumb. <laughs> with some of my rankings here. So it'll be fun to see that down the road. That's one of the best parts of the draft as well. Just trying to predict what these guys will become. Yeah. And like, even though it was kind of a miscommunication between us, it was nice to uh, have a little bit of both seeing like maybe the uh, prediction, hopefully realistic point of view. And then your point of view where you can talk about some prospects that maybe people haven't heard about, like Oliver Moore or that one Russian guy, I forget his name already, but kind of, guys that you know aren't really talked about enough and uh you know when they're picked in the mid first round or early second round people are gonna you know maybe have a little bit of insight about them and i know i will after after learning about them from you so uh yeah that that's awesome but uh, i think with that all being said that's gonna conclude it for this episode uh, thanks for listening have a good one mm-hmm.